Thank you, Wayne. This morning we're going to thank God for his leading and guidance in these troubling times. So please join with me. Father God, we pray today for our church, for our community and for ourselves as we move out of the lockdown and the restrictions imposed on us to manage this COVID-19 pandemic. We thank you, Father, that you have kept us safe and free from this virus. And we pray that you will keep on protecting us in the days ahead. We thank you, Father, for your support for those whose livelihoods have been affected. And we also pray that lost jobs and closed down businesses can soon be restored. Father, when we reflect on our time in isolation, we saw good things happening, for which we also thank you. Families being drawn closer together, neighbourhoods coming together to help each other, communities becoming communities rather than just suburbs. We thank you for the people around us we've come to know better, for those who've offered to help us and for those we've been able to help. We thank you for the break from daily commuting, from the stresses of workplaces, and for learning how to work from home. We thank you for simple pleasures and enjoyments we have rediscovered. We thank you that our church, including our church in Blackwood, has been able to remain united as a body of brothers and sisters in Christ through technology. And we especially thank those from our hills church who worked and committed themselves to make this possible for us. We thank you for the ministries in our church that have pressed on for worship, for pastoral care, for preaching, for prayer and for fellowship in small groups. Father, we sensed at the start of this lockdown that this could be some sort of wake-up call from you and so it has been. And we now ask ourselves whether we want to go back to things as they were before or whether we should be open to doing a life as a Christian in new ways, in better ways. And we pray that you will lead and guide us where we seek to find these better ways. Father, we pray that the experiences of recent months will increase our faith and trust in you as we move forward into the unknown future. Please enlarge our hope from just surviving the virus and the lockdown to the hope for the prospect of a brighter, better time ahead. We pray this for each one of us, for our families and for our church family, as we confidently look to you to show us the new ways in which you want us to travel. Please, Father, restore our fellowship. And as you've drawn us closer together to resist fear and uncertainty as the virus impacted our country, please keep our faith, our trust and our hope in you strong as we now step into the future. And please maintain and increase our church unity as we go forward into that glorious light of our future in you. We ask these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And now I'm handing back to Sam. Thanks so much, uh, Richard. Um, back on this one. Okay. Thank you so much, Richard, uh, for those wonderful, rich prayers and considering also how we are going to uh, live beyond this time. Uh, I've been reflecting and thinking about that too. You know, as a pastor of, of a church, what do we take on from this and how do we learn from this? What has the Lord shown us and what is he uh, asking us to do? Uh, so um, before we get into the message this morning, there's just uh, one more part of our service that I just wanted to, to speak into. And uh, that is I am aware that there are um, perhaps a number of people who, who have been still struggling in this time. Uh, it has been a, a time of difficulty and it's been hard as we've been uh, isolated not to uh, surround you uh, with our love and our support and particularly to be you know, laying on of hands and to be praying for you. 
And so I'm particularly aware of a number of members of our church who, who are struggling with uh, significant health issues. And uh, I was on the phone uh, with Bruce Foreman uh, during the week, and he just wanted me, on behalf of him, to say hello uh, and to wish us as a church well. And I was amazed at speaking with him uh, that he's in this scenario and yet he's full of faith uh, and he's thankful for what Jesus has done for him and he knows uh, what his future is. And I come off a phone call like that fully encouraged and fully built up uh, by a brother in Christ. And so he wants to uh, send out his blessings to us as a church and wish us well. Um, and so I was thinking about how to um, sort of speak into that and I, I was going to show... Uh, the song The Blessing, uh, which has sort of been doing the rounds, uh, particularly in social media. Uh, you might have noticed that the, the UK have, all of the churches in the UK got together and did a video uh, showing unity across all of the churches all participating in this song. And then America did it, and now Australia has done it. Uh, and Dave and Andrea Sanders, hi Dave and Andrea, um, sent me that link um, to, to look at as well. So I was going to show that. And then uh, one of the pastoral care team, and uh, Richard again mentioned, it's great to continue that ministry in this time. We've got an amazing team that really long to care for and, and speak into the lives uh, of our church community. And one of the team just mentioned that there's a song that's one of uh, Dave Potter's favourite songs. And, uh, she, and I looked it up and I thought, you know what, this, the sentiment of this song it is really... Uh, wonderful and, and I hope that it speaks into uh, your situation, uh, whatever situation, whether you're facing these health crises or uh, financial crisis, work crisis, family crisis um, and, it's, and it's very hard to sort of share that being alone at this time. just want to play this song to you and, and pray that it be a blessing because it talks about Jesus' deep, deep love for you. And that he goes, he's under you, he's beside you, he's above you. Uh, and that just speaks of Jesus wrapping his arms around you in this time. And so there was a couple of versions I could have chosen. Uh, one uh, of a person on a beach all by themselves. And I thought, oh, that's a bit like in isolation. So I've chosen a song, this song version of a church with a full choir. Because I thought, this is what we are looking forward to. And this is ultimately what uh, our heavenly home will be like, standing shoulder to so shoulder, singing his glorious praises together. So I just want to just spend some uh, time in prayer, and then I just want to show this video as a blessing, and particularly to you, Dave Potter. Um, so will you join me as I pray? Lord, we just thank you uh, for your great love for us. We thank you that Jesus, your deep, deep love for us is all around us. And even if we are feeling alone, even if we are going through a trial or pain, we know that your presence is there with us. And so, Lord, I just particularly want to pray uh, for John, for Bruce and for David uh, at this time, and for anyone else who is facing real significant uh, medical uh, situations right now. Lord, I just pray, first of all, that your presence uh, would be in their lives and in their hearts, that they would tangibly feel you uh, and your love for them, uh, at, even right now as we speak. And Lord, beyond that, I just want to just pray right now for your healing. Uh, Lord, for your healing hand uh, to be at work uh, in that place, in, in their homes and in their bodies particularly. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are not only our, our shelter and our refuge, but you are our healer and that um, you are able to, to uh, part seas and allow people into a promised land and you are able to heal bodies. And so, Lord, we just pray for miraculous healing right now uh, in all of these cases and in the cases that have not been mentioned, uh, the, the cases that, are, that you are aware of uh, in the lives of people listening to this right now. So, Lord, may your mercy and your healing be upon them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, bless you guys, and may this song be a blessing to you.
wonderful uh, to see pictures of people uh, singing side by side and together in harmony and I pray that that was a blessing not only to those uh, who are perhaps struggling now but to all of us as we really understand the deep deep love of Jesus and how much he cares for all of us. So uh, this morning we are continuing our series in Joshua and can I remind you uh, off the bat that um, if you can grab a Bible uh, either have it on your phone or a physical Bible is probably better um, because the way we're going to be doing this teaching series is pretty much going through the text and uh, expounding it, uh, getting insights in it from for us as a church and also as us as individuals. And, and really that is uh, my prayer to you that as we read these, particularly the stories of the Old Testament, you know, Jesus is all through the Old Testament. And his word is alive, and they aren't just good stories. I mean, you could just read the stories as a, as a good story. But more than that, uh, there is insight and there is uh, a revelation that God gives us as we uh, delve into his word. And so I pray that that be the case this morning as we continue in the story of Joshua. Uh, last week, I gave a bit of context uh, to Joshua uh, if you uh, weren't able to tune in uh, last Sunday, feel free to go to our website and uh, go to Messages and download uh, that because in that I'll just give a bit of context as to what Joshua is about and why we're here. But as I explained last week, it can probably be pretty much summed up in one verse found in Deuteronomy, uh, which basically says, He, that is God, brought us out of there, that is Egypt, uh, the, the, the people who were slaves in Egypt, in order to bring us in and give us the land promised on oath. So uh, God promises Abraham uh, that his descendants would be a blessing to the nations and that through him all nations will be blessed. And so uh, the, this is a continuation story and we find ourselves right on the edge of the promised land now for the people actually to enter in. And Joshua uh, is the one who leads them in. And so just quickly, there are a number of uh, points out of the first chapter that I didn't quite have time for last week. And I just want to be quick in just sharing a couple of those before we get on to chapter two. Otherwise, we might be here till Christmas. Um, and there's just so much in it. And, and that is, I was talking last week about chiastic structure, and I spent a bit of time uh, focusing on that. But I didn't really sort of say what that had to do uh, with this uh, verse in verse in chapter one. So uh, I'm going to put that up on the screen again, and and you might be able to see there some arrows sort of going in, and I've done that on purpose because what that does is the writer is actually trying to get our focus and our attention on the most important part of this uh, part of scripture, and that's what Colin, the Colin Buchanan song was about this morning. So thanks, Kerry, for tying that theme in, and that is. You know, we talk about the, the famous passages in, in Joshua being strong and courageous. And Joshua needed to be strong and courageous in order to step out in faith and to go take the land that, that God had promised them. He would need to be strong uh, and courageous in terms of, of military uh, power and, and oomph. But if we look at this chiastic structure... Uh, he also needs to be strong and courageous in what it's actually trying to point us to. And that is to keep the book of law always on his lips, to meditate on it, to not turn from it from the left or the right. You see, uh, it actually says in order to be successful, uh, he needs to stick to the plan. And uh, that, this is precisely the theme throughout Joshua, is that when he sticks with what God has for him, and when we stick in our lives with what God has for us, we are successful and prosperous. And when they don't do it, in, in fact, we'll, we'll find, you know, when they do take Jericho, that they, they, follow, they follow the instructions to the T. The next town, they run into some problems because they, they go against what God said. So there's this theme that Joshua needs to be strong and courageous, yes, in, in, in might and power, but also strong and courageous in not allowing uh, other 
uh, ideologies or people to influence his thinking. You might, it might be, for example, that some of the people think, well, Moses is gone now. We've got Joshua. Maybe we can sort of get into his ear because Moses was a pretty strong leader uh, and he wouldn't take no for an answer. Oh, here's Joshua now. Maybe, maybe we can say to him, does God really say that we have to go into the promised land? Is that really his plan for us? Is, you know, do we really have to do this? Joshua could have quite easily been swayed by popular opinion. He could have been swayed by the opinion of what the people uh, perhaps wanted. And so Joshua not only needs to be strong and courageous in, in power, but strong and courageous to actually stick to the plan, to not be swayed by the popular opinion uh, that is surrounded him. And I just think about our lives today and how much popular opinion there is uh, swaying around us and, uh, and how important it is that we too uh, listen to the word of God and that we, uh, just like that song, uh, obey it and, and follow this plan. Because in that, it says that we will be successful and prosperous. You know, I came across a, um, uh, I, uh, Rob knows that I like the, uh, the buy, sell and swap pages. And you know, I was flicking through it and I came across this piece of artwork uh, the other day that was for sale. And the, the artwork says, follow your own path. No one can choose it for you. And I just think that's a pretty popular um, kind of mentality, a, a popular sort of saying, you know, find your own way. Uh, you, you've got your own power within you. You know, you've got to just do it for yourself. And that might be uh, a, a phrase or something that comes at us in our modern day uh, Christian lives that we need to say, well, Actually, no, someone actually can choose my path for me uh, and because he's created me and he's made uh, a life for me and he has a purpose for me and it's, it's important that I follow it. So that was really the whole point of that structure is that, um, yes, be strong and courageous in, in power but also strong and courageous to stand firm in faith, to stand firm against the voices that are coming against us. And so then uh, in verse 10 of, of chapter 1, Joshua ordered the officers to tell the people, go through the camp and tell people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, we'll cross the River Jordan. Now, I wonder if it's a coincidence that it's three days time that they will enter the promised land. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think if we look through scripture, uh, three days is mentioned quite often and it's quite often in scenarios where freedom is found, uh, where a way out is found, where new life is found. Uh, for example, uh, when Abraham uh, was to take his son Isaac and to, to sacrifice him, it says that he looked up on the third day and found the place where ultimately he would find the ram to be uh, taken uh, in place of his son. So it was on the third day that he looked up and saw that. You know, the, uh, when Moses was uh, at Mount Sinai, it says that on the third day he received the theophany of God appearing uh, there and in order to give him uh, the commandments for the people. Think of Jonah, obviously, three days in the whale. And after that came freedom for him by being released from that and then a change of heart to go and preach the, most, the biggest revival ever. And, of course, just think about our Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, on the third day, uh, he rose again. Uh, he, he conquered sin and death on the cross and he took our uh, pain and our guilt and our sin upon himself. Uh, but he didn't just uh, leave it there. He rose victorious on that third day, uh, representing freedom for us, victory for us. And so if you hear the promised land, the people in three days' time are actually going to enter into the victory, enter into freedom uh, that has been promised. In fact, uh, Joshua uh, is, the name, is the same name as Jesus. And so here is a Jesus figure in the Old Testament that leads people uh, into where uh, God has promised them. And we see that Jesus leads us into the very throne room of God. He, he, is, he is the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And so in three days, they are going to um, enter the promised land. 
And then it says in verse 12, but the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, uh, what happened was uh, before that, they had gone to Moses and said, well, we kind of like it here on the east side of the Jordan. Do you mind if when we take the promised land, we actually settle here? And so that, that is agreed on, but it is um, required that the, the men go and actually fight the battle first in order to then come back and receive what it calls their rest. And so first of all, there is a season for everything. There is a season for working and, and going hard uh, into the things of God. And there is a season for the rest that he gives us after that time. But it's really interesting that for the, the two and a half tribes that choose to settle on the east side of the Jordan, um, you know, they, they said, this is good enough for us. You know, yes, I can see the promised land, but I'm actually settled right here. It's really interesting because so many of us in our walk and in our lives sort of get to a certain point where we become comfortable. We get to a point in our faith or our journey where we go, this is good enough for me. I'm okay where I am. Yes, I can see that perhaps there's more for me, but that requires effort or uh, boldness of faith that perhaps I don't feel that I have. Do you know the problem with that and the problem that we we find uh, later in Scripture is that when the uh, trouble came for the the chosen people, for the Israelites, when the Assyrians came, when the Babylonians came, in what direction did they come from? They came from the east and those tribes were the first tribes to be taken away into captivity. Why is that? Perhaps, number one, they didn't have the support of the nation around them. And it is so important for us as Christians today that we do participate in church, that we do participate in community, so that when trouble comes, we have others around us to support us and to provide uh, for us. And, And number two, maybe it's because they didn't have that faith to enter into all that God had for them. And I talked about last week, actually possessing means to take hold of that for them. And because of that, there was this laxness of life and and they were the first ones to be taken away. And then then we get into the end of chapter one. We're almost there. (laughs) Get into the end of chapter one and we have this great um, uh, outpouring of unity where the people say to Joshua, they answer Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will fully obey you. And now, what leader doesn't want to hear that? (laughs) I mean, that's pretty amazing to have. We're talking, scholars say, two and a half to three million uh, people that the Israelites were at at this point in, in time all unified, all believing, all confident uh, to follow Joshua uh, because they believed that this was the call of God for them. And I just love this picture because, you know, Moses was a super strong leader and yet the people weren't unified. Uh, The first time that they tried to enter the promised land, there was uh, division amongst them. There were some, Joshua and Caleb, that said, let's do it, we can do it. And there were some that said, there's giants in the land, we can't do it. This time around, there's unity. This time around, there's belief. And there's a a wonderful thing that happens, not only when uh, a leader is is confident, but also the people uh, get alongside and that there is unity in where that they are going together. And that's a picture of the church. You know, the the church uh, can do so much and is so powerful Uh, to minister to the world around us uh, when we are all unified in mission and we're all unified in what we are called to do and that everyone takes their part. And and last year, the year before, um, we were talking about that as a church. Where is your place in church? Where is your fit? Where is your sweet spot? How do you participate in the body of Christ as we, as a church, move forward in unity, uh, taking hold of that which God has for us? And so now finally we get to chapter 2. 
And uh, this is uh, the story of Rahab and the spies entering into the land. And then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies. Now, first of all, secretly sends them. I wonder why that is. Uh, I think, first of all, he was part of the, the first spies that went in the first time. And it was a public thing. And that went that didn't go down too well because uh, the public then overruled uh, what had happened. So I think Joshua this time around goes, you know, I'm not going to let take chances. I'm going to just send my two best. And he sends two spies, not 12. Uh, because Joshua and Caleb was, was all that came back with, with the positive account. And so he thinks, you know what, less is more in the economy of God. I, if I can just send two of my best, two of my most faith-filled, that is all I need. And so he sends two secretly uh, into the land, uh, and he's asked them to, to look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Jericho is going to be the first city that they come across, a big walled city. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here at night to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. Now, someone's obviously seen the spies enter Rahab's house because she's been told on and the report has gone back all the way to the king of the land so the king here is ordering Rahab to bring out the spies so she's hiding uh, these Israelites in her house so it's not just some neighbor it's not just uh, you know some guy down the road this is the king of their nation ordering Rahab to bring the spies out and so she finds herself in this uh, predicament and what's so amazing about Rahab is her faith, obviously, and we're going to get that into that in a second. But the fact that she goes against the king, she actually uh, purposely um, deceives the king and sends people off on, a, <laughs> on another trail. And, and I just think, wow, here is a woman who isn't, isn't part of the nation of Israel. She as we're going to find out, actually believes and confesses in the one true God that they and we um, worship. But the fact that she went to those, those lengths, not just in an ordinary way, but against the, like this would have been execution territory here. She's taking a huge risk to do this. And what faith and what tenacity uh, for this woman to do that. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You might catch them up. But she had taken them up to the roof and hid them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men, the pursuers, set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was shut. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up to the roof and she said to them, now this is absolutely amazing. Here is a woman perhaps of a questionable background uh, who is not of the tribe of Israel uh, she is a, a Gentile woman of another nation, and yet she confesses, she professes this amazing faith. And I'm just so uh, amazed by this. She says, I know that the Lord, now in your Bibles there, it's got the Lord in capitals. When it says that, that's talking about Yahweh, uh, the, the God of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so she's not just saying, like, God with a little g or, or an entity or a, a power that I believe in. She's actually talking about the God of Scripture. I know, says Rahab, that the Lord has given this land to you and that great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, 
whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted. Now there's another chiastic structure there. She mentioned being melted twice. And what's important in the middle is what God has done. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now, what an amazing statement of faith. Here is a woman who didn't see what God did. All she did was hear of a report. And even without seeing it, she actually took it upon herself and she believed it. And she confessed with her mouth that your God is the God in heaven and on earth below. And of course, in Romans 10, it said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. And so this is precisely what Rahab is doing here. Here is an amazing uh, picture of, of faith. In fact, Rahab is mentioned in the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Uh, she's, she's mentioned there and she's also mentioned, I don't know if you knew this, in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1. So here is a woman, perhaps uh, ethically, morally, um, background-wise, cultural-wise, we might look at someone like this and think, oh, that, that person perhaps hasn't made it, perhaps they're not good enough. But here is a woman who has made a statement of faith and she has been written into literally the book of history. And it's just a great reminder that the gospel of Jesus is not about what you've done. It is not about who uh, you are in your past. It's not about your cultural background. It's actually about if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. And I just want to put a call out to anyone watching this today. Perhaps you haven't made that decision in your life. Perhaps you've been uh, listening to, to the sermons or listening to, you, maybe you've read through scripture Maybe you've um, grown up in a Christian home, but you've never actually made a commitment to actually follow Jesus yourself. Here is a great example to follow of a woman who had a troublesome background. And you might be looking at your life and thinking, oh, God can't love me, or because of this, I can't make it. No, you can. And God's love for you is so much that he washes over those things. And he calls you into his family. And so perhaps today it might be for you that you actually desire to, just like Rahab, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, and, and receive that grace, receive that blessing, receive uh, Jesus into your life today. And so Rahab uh, makes this great statement and she shows great faith. She shows great courage. And then they make this tact uh, uh, together. They make this um, commitment, this oath together, that Rahab wants to, she knows, she knows that God's going to give them the land. She has no, no doubt. And in fact, the spies know as well. If you look at the, the dialogue here, the spies say things like, when God gives it to us, when we come back and when, when this, is, this happens, so blah, 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 blah. They don't say, oh, maybe perhaps if this happens, then you can do this. No, when God gives us this, when this is going to happen. So there's a confidence. And Rahab has that same confidence. So she knows that this is going to take place. But she desires not only to be saved herself, but to save her family. And so they make this deal with the spies that when they come back, Rahab is going to tie a scarlet rope in the window and that when they take the city, that this family would be saved. And then they are let down by the rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now, here again is a wonderful foreshadowing of the picture of Jesus. Rahab finds salvation for herself and actually for her whole household uh, when the Israelites come and take Jericho. And it's found through a scarlet rope. Now, why a scarlet scarf or rope or material that was hung up in the window? Like why that colour? When you think, obviously, about Jesus and his blood that was shed for us, 
here is a picture of salvation through the color red. And for us, our salvation is through the blood of Jesus. And so as you read the Old Testament, friends, Jesus is all through this. <laughs> if you look at it, there are so many times where it is a foreshadowing, a taste of the picture of what Jesus is to accomplish. And so here, um, the, the family of Rahab is saved. They are redeemed through the scarlet cord in the window. And so it is for us. Our salvation is in through Christ. Now, it then goes on to say that, um, uh, so they agreed on this thing and they went out. And so verse 21, she replied, let it be as you. And she sent them away and she tied a scarlet cord in the window. And then verse 22, they left and went to the hills and stayed there. How long? <laughs> three days. Why three days? Because after that three days, the pursuers stopped and they found freedom and new life and rescue. So again, Jesus is all through this story. And so the men hide for three days and they come back and they give the report and they say, surely the Lord has given this whole land into our hands. All the people, there's that phrase again, are melting in fear because of us. So the last thing I just want to bring up is this concept of that the people that were in the land were melting in fear because of what they heard God do uh, through the Israelites, uh, either through the Red Sea or the way that they'd conquered the cities uh, before getting to the Promised Land. And it's interesting that they say that because, again, the first time that the people go to enter in uh, with they send spies in, the report comes back that there are giants in the land and they, they say that we are grasshoppers in their sight. And what is really interesting is that the Israelites feared the people in the land when in reality, as we see later on, it was the people that were actually fearful of the Israelites. And so what actually happened uh, that first time around is that people, the, the ten spies particularly that, that gave that report and were scared, you see, they had a little God. And so the problems that they faced were huge. For Joshua and Caleb, they believed in a big God, a God that could part seas, a God that could give manna from heaven, a God that could bring water out of a rock. And for them, a big God means small problems and small obstacles. In fact, if you think about it, for Joshua and Caleb, hey, if there are giants in the land, they're easier to hit. <laughs> they're a bigger target. But for the others, they were scared of the, the size of, of the people. And so it's interesting that the people in the land were actually uh, fearful, not because necessarily of the, the people, but what that God was with them. And that was the report that came to Rahab. See, Rahab believed in God because she had heard of the report. She had heard of the miraculous and wonderful things that God had done. And I'm just reminded of when Jesus uh, spoke to Thomas, uh, when, when uh, he appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, Thomas doubted. And, and Jesus actually appeared to Thomas and, and Thomas was actually able to put his, his fingers in the wounds and then believe. See, Thomas saw Jesus face to face. Then Jesus says something very interesting in that encounter. He says, you've believed and you've seen me, but greater will be those who believe without seeing me. And so that's really what faith is. And that was the faith that was displayed in Rahab. She didn't see the parting of the Red Sea. She didn't see the manna in heaven coming down from heaven. She didn't see the quail. She didn't see the water. You know, she heard. All she had was a report. All she had was a story. And she heard that and she believed it in her heart and she confessed with her mouth. You know, sometimes we can't see all that God is doing. Sometimes 
we, we hear of stories of what God does in perhaps other people's lives. And we think, well, where's, where's God in, in my life? Can I encourage you uh, in your faith right now to, to believe, just like Rahab, without necessarily seeing evidence, but to be trusting in that? Because that put Rahab in the Hall of Fame. That faith to go against the king and deliberately um, you know, go against that ruling and to stand up and go, no, this God is the true God of heaven and earth. And I just think, wow, we've got a lot to learn from Rahab in terms of the way that she lived her life. Not only did she have faith, but she stood up. She was strong and courageous. And as we uh, have sort of pressures on our lives about, uh, you know, terms of Christianity in our culture today, more and more pressure is coming from the authorities around us and, and above us, just like the authority came on Rahab with the king. And how do we stand up? You know, how are we strong and courageous to, to stick to the word, to not swerve from it from the left to the right, to, to find success in all that we do because we actually stick to what he has for us and not for what the world is, is shaping so I can think of a number of um, scenarios and, and issues in our culture today that it divides many people. And I wonder how much are we listening to the world around us or to the kings around us? And how much are we like Rahab believing uh, in the one true God of heaven and earth and following the, the law that is, that is laid out in scripture? And so I just want to uh, encourage you this morning uh, to, to look at at the life of Rahab. Uh, read through it again during the week and just see how amazing uh, a job she did in standing against uh, the authorities, but also believing without actually seeing. And because of that, an amazing faith story uh, was set. So we're going to continue um, uh, in the story of Joshua in the weeks to come. Encourage you again to be reading back and reading forward and really just delving into the word of Scripture um, as, as we continue in, in the book of Joshua. So let us pray together. Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you that as we, as we delve into this story and as we unpack it and as we see Jesus through every page, uh, Lord, we would be reminded of the way that uh, you've acted in these stories in miraculous and powerful ways and that you today act in that same way in our lives. Uh, help us to have that faith like Rahab, uh, to believe in you, uh, perhaps even without seeing the evidence. And help us, Lord, as those who follow you, uh, those who follow your leading as Joshua did, to stand up, to be strong and courageous, not only uh, in faith, uh, but also to stand uh, against those, those influences that so easily swamp us and so easily come into our lives and are right in front of our face, faces. So Lord, help us to look to you, help us to trust in you, help us to believe in you, and help us to believe that you're, you have promises for us, that this isn't just promises for a people in ancient time, that you are doing a new thing that there is a three-day life for us, that there is a newness, that there is freedom, that there is going to be a new thing that you're doing in our lives, not only as individuals, but also as a church moving forward. And Lord, we're only going to be successful if we listen to you and if we follow your lead as the leader of this church. And so Lord, just help us to trust in you, help our faith to be built up in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're just going to just uh, spend some time out of this by just singing a song that really speaks of the prayer that I just prayed. And can I also just encourage you, uh, as I did through the, the word there, if you uh, do want to just um, make a commitment to Jesus this morning, then that is available to you, that he uh, so loves you and wants to uh, make himself known to you all you need to do, and perhaps you might want to do that during this song, is to simply say, Lord, I'm aware of my, my own struggles and my own uh, sinfulness. I just thank you, Lord, 
that you took that upon your cro- on the cross and that you've dealt with it and that you've been raised to life again. And in that, I have freedom and, and life. And so, Lord, help me to trust in you. And I invite you, Lord, into my life to be my Lord and Saviour today. And I encourage you to do that as we sing. particularly for anyone who's just wanting to make that commitment with you this morning, that they would put their trust in you, that they would learn to lean on you, that you have gone to great lengths to welcome them in, to rescue them and to save them, to give them a new life, a new life full of freedom and joy and hope, forgiveness, and that can't be shaken or taken away no matter what they've done no matter where they find themselves. Just like Rahab, she found hope and faith in you. just want to thank uh, the music team uh, great music this morning I, I trust you've been able to really uh, worship and focus on God um, as we've come together Sam thanks for the message uh, we've traveled uh, back in time today uh, both in the video and in, in Sam's message but isn't it great that uh, we can read accounts of some time ago and see how God's at work in the life of Joshua and the people of Israel, but but there's so many takeaways and so much relevance to our lives today, uh, and that's just a fantastic thing as we read accounts in the Bible and the way the Lord's just allowed those accounts to carry on in a printed form and now now on the internet as well that we can actually hear from God and be encouraged 
um, and challenged as well. So, and just really mindful, if you prayed that prayer that, that Sam led us in uh, of actually giving your life to Christ and just, just reaching out to him for the first time, I just want to encourage you to continue to read the Bible and find someone that you know is a Christian and just let them know that um, you've prayed that prayer or just um, come to a point where you've wanted to know more about God and invite him into your life. Um, they will be encouraged and they, they will be able to yeah just, just lead you on to understanding him better. Uh, just want to encourage you as you go out in this, this week, uh, the things that you've heard today, I just encourage you to put them into practice. Uh, just remember Thursday night, 7.30 here at the Coach House, uh, come along, uh, be together with uh, a group and just uh, have some time in prayer. And that'll be great if you can be there. And just, just look forward to uh, next Sunday, uh, same time, same live stream. Uh, it'd be great uh, if you could join us again and just, just invite and encourage others to just be part of this. Uh, Lord, thank you for being the centre of all we've done this morning. Uh, thank you for your goodness and your love and just the way that you are active in our world. And yeah, just uh, encourage you all and just, just pray that you have a great day and a great week ahead. Thanks, thanks for joining us.